And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good day, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Glad to be here, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you again this Saturday in the studio. Thanks for coming. And, uh, you know, last time together we got talking a little bit about the law, the law of God. And uh, we um, covered those Ten Commandments uh, that are found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And, um, John, I think you reminded me that in some Christian traditions, Sometimes there's a little different ordering, of, uh, particularly like the third commandment or, or that sort of thing. Who could get us started on well, that the, today? Well, the content is the same, but there is a different ordering. Yeah. Mark actually it's, grew it's, up knowing a different order yeah. than I grew up knowing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I always, ha- I always have trouble with this, you know, when we start talking about the commandment. Because when you say the fifth commandment, I immediately say, thou shalt not kill. Uh-huh. And, and But the reason for that was, you know, I grew up in the Lutheran tradition, and the Lutheran and the Catholics take the first and second commandment and combine them into okay. one commandment. Okay. And then when they get to the tenth commandment, they divide that into two. They start off, the ninth commandment for them would be, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. And then the tenth commandment would be, then you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, oh. or female servant, ox, or donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Right. And that's how they yes. they divide mm-hmm. it. But and it's all the contents. Yeah, yeah it's, and uh, most Protestants and Jews uh, have the same ordering, mm-hmm. except that in Judaism, they include the preface in the first commandment. Mm. Mm. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. Mm. Which leads me to uh, say something about the preface, because I think it's a proper way to understand the commandments. The preface itself uh, means that God has done something for Israel that Israel could not do for itself. There's grace. And then there is commandment. And uh, I, I like that notion. used to be the Chicago Cubs had two players on their team. One was named Mark Grace, and the other was named Law. And in the batting order, Grace always came before Law. And in a real sense, I think every Christian, no doubt, can appreciate the fact that it is within the context of God's loving grace that he commands us. And what a what a difference it makes! It's not just it does. hard bare law. Yeah, that's right. I, you, I love it the way you're doing that because that that is so reformed. And when you get to the Lutherans, and even though there's an agreement between Lutheran and and the Reformed on this, the Lutheran would always say. Law always comes before grace, <laughs> you know. C.F. Walther, law comes before grace, uh-huh. and 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 actually, in some ways, they're both right. Mm-hmm. They're both right because the law does drive you to depend upon the grace. That's what Luther right. emphasized. Right. And you know, we're talking actually now something we all know a little bit about the uses of the law. Right, mm-hmm. and there are three historically. Uh, one is that the law of God, when he gave it, is a standard for civil law. Mm-hmm. And it was in Israel, of course, it's, it was the, the, the law. Mm-hmm. But it also, as Luther emphasized, the law functions as an accuser right. to demonstrate to us that we are sinners and to drive us to the mercy of Christ. Mm, good exactly. point. And then Calvin, of course, uh-huh. and others in the Reformed tradition emphasized 
the law of God as a standard for the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And it's good mm-hmm. in itself to follow because it is, in fact, the very way that Christ lived. Right. Well, that's helpful, gentlemen. Thanks for, first of all, explaining how the commandments are parsed out in the different traditions. And then, uh, John, you brought out that um, grace is really evident right here at the very beginning. I suppose in a, in a larger way, grace is evident all through the Old Testament, isn't it? All through the Old Testament. Yep. Uh, I read a great book once by an old Puritan called The Grace of Law. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Law is good in itself and a gracious gift. Think if we didn't have the law. Yeah. Think if we didn't have laws in our society. Right. right. Yeah, I think one of the greatest uh, psalms that really uh, looks at the law and God's commandments is Psalm 119. You know, and, and here oh, yeah. you have, what is it, 176 verses, and, and they're all talking about the law in one way or another. Mm-hmm. The longest chapter in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, not quite a chapter in the ordinary yeah. sense. But it's uh, the longest section marked out like that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and we have some of the, the great passages, you know, How shall a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed to your law. Thy word is a lamp to my feet mm-hmm. and a light to my path, you know. Sounds like a song. <laughs> <laughs> You're reminding me also of the words mm-hmm. of Jesus, and you alluded to them last week, Mark, where it says in Matthew 5, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or mm-hmm. the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass right. from the law till all is fulfilled. Right. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So uh, that there is uh, Jesus' view of the law. And, and that's why I think it's so important to actually look at the law and study the law. Sadly, in evangelical Christianity today, a lot of people have this idea, I'm not under law but under grace, therefore I don't have to study the law, I don't have to look at it. But it's a very different uh, concept than what the Reformers had. Mm-hmm. The Reformers said... When they made their catechism, both Luther and the Westminster Reformers always included the Ten Commandments and gave them and expounded on them. In Mm -hmm. fact, the catechisms usually deal with uh, the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, and the Lord's Prayer. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Invariably. Now, here, here is something. Maybe we should go back to that passage in the New Testament that we've alluded to a number of times. Sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace and that passage is often misunderstood to mean that the old testament was a period of the law and there was no grace and the new testament is a period of grace and we're not under law Mm -hmm. nothing could be further Mm -hmm. from what that verse means uh sin doesn't have dominion over us the law has no power by the way to remove sin right the law has no power to enable us to keep it right It, it doesn't offer that power Mm. But grace does. And the reason sin shall have no dominion over us, it is through the grace of Christ that we're enabled to live the Christian life and to respond in obedience to God's Mm. commands. Yeah, that's well put. So God's will is that we live according to his law, but we live by his grace. Mm. He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that saves us from our sins and helps us to live a, a holy life. 
Well, I see we're up against a break already, gentlemen. This goes quick here on A Plain Answer. Today we're talking about the law. And uh, we have uh, referred to the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God. We'll continue after the break. Stay with us now here on Redeemer Broadcasting. We'll be right back. right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio once again today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. And gentlemen, I hear your papers flipping as you uh, get all ready for the next set of questions <laughs> here. Um Let's talk a little bit about the substance of these commandments. We have looked at them, we've we've read them, and uh, now let's talk about them in particular. You know, one of the uh, useful aids uh, that is available on the Internet is something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And uh, starting with, I don't know, right around question 39, 40, 41, thereabouts, it covers so nicely and succinctly uh, the Ten Commandments. And um, question 42, I just popped it open here, uh, says, uh, what is the sum of the Ten Commandments? And it's something you've alluded to before, gentlemen, and that is the sum of the Ten Commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. Basically, the answer there is just simply found in the quotations of Scripture. It's wonderful uh, uh, to have it in catechetical form, uh, catechisms are little teaching devices. They're not used much today, except 
we read them in our churches, and they're historical documents, but I don't know that many teach in this style, this, this direct question and formulated answer response. But they're wonderful uh, helps in teaching. And I notice in the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism, it just simply asks the question, and just think of a child or any mm. class of students, mm. what is the first commandment? <laughs> and then, of course, you get a response back that's quite succinct. The first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a, a, a wonderful way to learn the command. But then it goes on and asks another question. What is required in the first commandment? And then it gives you a, a, a what is required. The first commandment requires us to know and acknowledge God to be the only true God and our God and to worship and glorify him accordingly. But there's one other thing here. It also gives you in the catechism what is forbidden mm-hmm. in the first commandment. And listen to how rich this answer is. The first commandment forbiddeth the denying or not worshiping and glorifying God, the true God as God, and our God, and the giving of that worship and glory to any other which is due to him alone. Can't put it much better than that. Can't put it much better, and it (laughs) means that Christians are called to worship, and we have not kept the first commandment Mm. without the corporate worship of God together and in our private lives. And that is one of the the big things. I know a lot of people would say, well, I believe in God, and I don't believe in a lot of the pagan gods, and therefore I've kept the first commandment. I haven't been to church in 20 years, but, you (laughs) know, it's... uh, (laughs) Then when you look at something like this, you say, I guess you really haven't kept the first commandment. If you're not with the people of God on the appointed day of worship, which is the fourth commandment, that's right. Remember the Sabbath day. That's even right. Early. Yeah. That's right. So I, I would uh, encourage our listeners to look up the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, and uh, when we cover these Ten Commandments, this is beautiful. The way this is written here, it's so very helpful. Yeah. And and the succinctness of it is so great. One of the things you can go through these commandments and and look at them. Um, one of the things that I always have a little bit of a problem with is most people in the churches and in evangelical churches will acknowledge that the Ten Commandments do apply today. You know, you really shouldn't kill somebody. You really shouldn't lie. Mm-hmm. You really shouldn't covet. And God should be first. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to the Fourth Commandment, <laughs> remembering the Sabbath day. I was wondering when one of you gentlemen it would was, bring that up. It, it, you know, then suddenly we are under grace and not under law. <laughs> w- wait a second. What makes that commandment yeah. so exempted from you the know, others? We might argue over exactly what it means to keep the fourth commandment as right. to its detail. We know it's not a Jewish Sabbath per se. Sure. Right. And it's the emphasis is on the positive. But one thing's for sure, I think you could almost find a pastor from any tradition and they would at least say this. Whatever it means you have not kept it unless you have met with the Lord's people on the Lord's day to worship and ascribe that glory that is due his name. Hmm. It's almost as if when we don't keep the fourth commandment, we're holding out on God, and we are doing ourselves a disservice, for hmm. the commandment, it says, is for our good. Right. 
You know, a while back here on A Plain Answer, we covered creation, and we talked about creation and evolution. I'm reminded of the fact of the days of creation and how that final day, God does what? Rest. He rests. He rests. Yeah. And here's this seven-day cycle. And I find in my own body, the older I get, and I'm getting old now, fellas, <laughs> the older I get, the more conscious I am of the need for a seven-day cycle, yeah. a, a rest day, a, a change of pace, uh, worshiping with the people of God, uh, just putting aside some of the burdens and load and cares. Can you imagine if somebody came to you and said, I'm going to give you a vacation every seventh day yeah. of your life where you can be more happy, more delightful, more joyful than you ever thought possible. That's exactly what Jesus does with this commandment. Yeah. You know, and, and we find how he interprets it and how he uses it in, in the New Testament. And indeed, uh, the, the, the early church starts meeting, don't yes. they, on the first day of the week. Right. And, you know, John, mm-hmm. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. It's, it's mm-hmm. just marvelous. You know, the fourth commandment, while some Christians will say, well, we no longer have a Sabbath. Well, that's true in one sense. But it's quite clear, as you've already cited, that early Christians, by example, through Easter, Pentecost occurred on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Early Christians met on the first day of the week. What it means is they all kept the Lord's Day yeah. as the in the context yeah. of the fourth commandment. Yeah. Yeah. Moreover, but, though, I want to say one more thing. Those Jubilee passages in the Old yeah. Testament fit very well in yes. with this Sabbath command. Hmm. Yeah. I, I love the catechism when it says, how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? Mm-hmm. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all the day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days. Mm-hmm. And the spending of the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship except so much is is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. Oh, I'm so glad you said and, that. And you, That's so helpful. And you've got the, these general principles, you know. And I always think, you know, there are people, and we live in a very hectic world, and I know some people would say, you know, I'd like to read my Bible, but, you know, I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what what about the Lord's Day? The Lord's Day, if you don't have time, at least to read the Bible it? on the Lord's Day, mm-hmm. then... You're not keeping the Lord's Day, then. Mm-hmm. There, there used to be a mm-hmm. professor out at Fuller Seminary by the name of uh, Jewel, Professor Jewel. And he wrote a book. He's now going to be with the Lord. He wrote a book called The Lord's Day. And in that book, he points out something that I have uh, never forgotten. Keeping the fourth day is also a witness to the neighbor. When you get up out mm-hmm. of your bed and you're not content with rolling between your cup of coffee and your newspaper Mm -hmm. or whatever now the television i guess Mm -hmm. and get up and go to church whatever else your neighbors know about you they know you've got a certain pattern that probably bespeaks that you are a christian yeah Mm. it's a witness it's witness in itself inherently a day of witness Mm. to who god is in christ Mm -hmm. yeah well today we're talking about the law This is Redeemer Broadcasting, a plain answer. And I see we're already getting towards the end of this session together. Let's um, look back now at um, Jesus in Matthew 23, where he talks about the the weightier matters of the law. And uh, I see we're close on time. Let's kind of summarize this whole session together and tie in what he had to say 
to the Pharisees of his day. Well, no doubt in the commands there's a kind of order to them as they are given that we should pay attention to. Hmm. And uh, in this case, maybe the greatest sin anyone can ever commit is not to recognize who God is and his okay. claim on their life, the first commandment. But let's take the sixth commandment, and let's take, let's say, the eighth commandment. Uh, in the sixth commandment, uh, in the tradition that I come from, the sixth commandment is, you shall do no murder. Hmm. And the eighth commandment is, thou shalt not steal. Or the Ninth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness. No doubt these are ordered in a hierarchical way. And even in the commands, it would be a graver sin to murder than maybe to tell a falsehood on a person, though that's that's forbidden too. On the other hand, what Jesus is saying in that whole scheme of things is that there are degrees and gradations in the revelation of God in terms of some things are worse than other things. All sin will condemn you to hell, mm-hmm. but not every sin is equally the same on society. Mm, well put. Uh, yeah. That verse of Scripture out of Matthew 23, uh, the first couple of verses there, uh, 2323, Mark, do you have that there? Yeah, 2323 is, uh, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. I think one of the things that the problem is, if you use the law to pat yourself on the back because you're such a good person, you've missed it completely. Mm-hmm. And to love God with your whole heart is to recognize His grace. And the only reason that we can even keep the law of God in as much as we do is because of His grace. Amen. With that uh, summary, I see we are out of time. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. This is A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. This uh, broadcast will also be put up on the website, RedeemerBroadcasting.org, under Programming and MP3 Samples. Please join us again next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. May our Lord richly bless you today with His grace and peace as you serve Him.